Hi, everyone. We thank you for joining us for today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast sponsored by Spark Cognition. Letting you know as you're filing into the room, you are in the right place. We're going to get things going in about a minute from now. Once again, we say hello and welcome everyone to today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast sponsored by Spark Cognition, letting you know we're going to get things going in about another 30 seconds as we let some more folks file in. Thank you for joining us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. Top five actions every company must take when applying AI to HSE, sponsored by Spark Cognition. My name is Kevin Drewley. I'm an associate editor with Safety and Health Magazine, and we'll be moderating today's session. Thanks for joining us. In a few minutes, we'll start a presentation, but first, let's review some preliminary items. The views of today's speakers and organizations are their own and may not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not necessarily mean the council or magazine endorses those items. At the end of today's webcast, we'll conduct a question and answer session. To ask a question, simply click the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen, type your question, and click the Send button. Feel free to ask your question at any time during the presentation. You don't have to wait for the question and answer session to begin. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible, but because of the large number of participants today, we might not get to every question. Any unanswered questions will be forwarded along to today's speakers. At the end of this webcast, you'll be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey. We'll let you know more about that after the presentation. This webcast will be archived, so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all of our past webcasts, please visit safetyandhealthmagazine.com events. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Our speakers today are Stephen Gold and Jody Sass. Stephen is Chief Marketing Officer at Spark Cognition and brings more than 30 years of experience in services including business-to-business -business application software development, AI and data science, and Internet of Things. He has served on various private and public boards and has been featured on multiple media outlets. Jody is Spark Cognition's Vice President of Visual AI Advisor, a position that sees her drive the outcomes for clients with challenges related to safety, security, productivity, inspection, and situational awareness. Throughout a 20-plus year career in, the techno in this technology, she has developed a passion for helping companies unlock growth, optimize performance, and realize return on their technology investments. Again, we thank all of you for tuning into this presentation. Stephen, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away. Kevin, uh, thank you. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to uh, everybody in attendance, and, and thanks for the tremendous turnout. Clearly, I think AI has been on the top of everybody's mind. And what is it? How does it work? Uh, where is it being deployed? When is it ready for prime time? And I think many of these questions throughout the course of the conversation today, uh, we're going to touch and hopefully answer for each and every one of you. Uh, for those not familiar with Spark Cognition, it's an organization founded in 2013. And for the better part of, of a decade, uh, we've been devoted to developing the science of artificial intelligence. We'll talk a little bit more about exactly how we uh, define AI, but the, the, the most important thing is working with clients to help them do things like predict 
uh, future outcomes, prescribe next best actions, uh, and then ensure the health and safety of the workforce. Uh, rather than simply state it and talk about it, uh, we're going to show it to you today. And so it's my pleasure at this point to turn this over to Jody. Perfect. Steve, thank you so much for that introduction. And thank you all for joining us today and taking the time out of your days to spend the next 45 to 60 minutes with us. We're going to take you on a brief journey today to really talk about some of the, the major challenges that we're facing in HSE today. Then we'll talk through the drivers, the, the things that are causing those challenges, and then we'll round out to take you through the role that visual AI can play at minimizing some of the risks that we see um, in, in our market today. So I, I think we'd all agree that nobody goes to work, none of our, uh, none of our uh, employees go to the office thinking that they're gonna get hurt. But the reality is accidents do occur and people do get hurt. And the age old list of challenges and incidents that we see are the same things year in and year out, regardless of the investments that we're continuing to make in HSE technology and processes and training. Um, and you look on the right hand side of this chart, you have Heinrich's triangle theory, or many of you know it as a safety triangle. And the correlation between the top of that chart and the bottom of the chart is compounded. For every single fatality we see, you've got about 300 or so minor injuries that are occurring. And for every 300 minor injuries, you have that many unsafe acts and near misses that go undetected day in and day out. And our goal as HSE professionals are to capture and identify those unsafe acts, those near misses, and prevent them so that they don't bubble up to the top of this triangle and become an incident and a fatality, which all of us want to avoid. I think we'd all agree that in, in all of the incidents, there is a human factor, whether we like to admit it or not. Um, and the human factor could be, um, could exist even though we have training. We invest in a, an incredible amount, but we, we really don't know where somebody's expertise starts from and how they consume the information that we have provided them, nor do we really know how they're going to apply it in, in, in their, their environment when they go back to the site that they're working. We also know that individuals sometimes are forgetful, right? We could be fatigued, we could have had a long day, and we may be predisposed to going back to some of our old habits and how we would do a certain action or a certain task. And then the other piece of this is, um, you know, human is notoriously uh, forgetful and our memory is biased. So we always may go back to some of those key things that we've done before. So we're gonna take a little shift and we're gonna have a polling question. And I'm gonna ask all of you to respond to this question, which is which safety risk is the most prominent in your organization? And I think as you look through these different items, failure to follow procedures, prevention method, methods, uh, boundaries, human constraints, I would guess after my conversation with all of you that you know failure to follow procedures may pop up to the top of the list here. And we'll just give this a moment to see you know, what all of you thought. 
Yeah, and it's interesting, I think, Jody, as, as you pointed out a minute ago, that the nature of, I'll say, safety violations um, has categorically been been the same for for not just years, but for decades. Uh, and I think what what really we're talking about today is, as the audience plays in on this is, is, you know, okay, so knowing what we know, what now can we do about it? So I'm really looking forward to hearing the audience response here um, you know, as this, this polling question comes up. Uh, Boy, I'm starting to see the response on the screen here, and you nailed it. Yep. Failure to follow procedures. You know, so again, as we had previously uh, mentioned, you know, some of these things could be human factors, and some of them could be other factors. We're having a little bit. Okay. So what is the cost of these workplace accidents that we that we are seeing? Um, based upon the research and based upon what we hear in the market, an average incident um, is roughly $40,000 per year. And that number can balloon to 1.2 million if it's an actual fatality. And that's only the direct side of the, the equation. There is also a massive indirect cost that sometimes we don't think about that is just as important to consider. It could be the loss of productivity. You might have to shut down a line. I've heard scenarios where not only has the line been shut down, but the plant's been shut down. And then there is a ripple effect to remediate through all of the different plants. So these incidents um, have the indirect costs that are related to productivity. It could also be affecting the brand image in the marketplace. It might ultimately um, restrict some of your hiring because people don't want to go to an organization that is not investing heavily in HSE and keeping their employees safe. And then the other piece of it could even be, how do those employees feel when their colleague has been hurt? Like, what is what are they feeling? And then how do they show up to work every single day? And these are not infrequent uh, situations. You have on, on the screen here, here more than 3 million workplace accidents. So despite best efforts, despite the training you talk about, I think despite the sensitivity to, to brand impact, to to cost of litigation, liability, uh, investigation, despite all these things, we still see this is, this is a major problem. Um, and, and at $40,000 in direct cost per incident, it doesn't take too many uh, to quickly add up to a considerable impact to the bottom line. So what are the key drivers of these HSE costs, right? So we know that um, the environment that our employees are working in um, have continued to evolve. There's advancement in technologies, but we're still seeing them. Um, I, I think if you think about you know, the work that they are doing, the operations, the machinery that they're working with, um, they are complex systems. And even with the training that we discussed, barriers that you might pull, put up or any type of controls that you put in place, people are still getting hurt in those, those environments. Then you also have, you know, the prevention methods um, that we have still have limitations. I think about a perfect example of a forklift. Many of our forklifts that are in a plant um, could be automated in nature, and we might throttle them not to go through uh, beyond a certain speed. But the reality is these forklifts are operating in very busy environments. It can't control the fact that somebody might not be paying attention, might be looking down, and these collisions still are occurring. 
And then you have the lack of real-time monitoring. We always thought that, you know, if we only had the data, we could be more, more proactive. But now we're in a position where we've got all the data. The challenge is, is how do we leverage that data in real time to take action based upon it to prevent these acts from happening? So I, I think the business case for HSA, HSE investment is really, really clear. It continues to be the pro top priority for many, many organizations around the globe uh, year in and year out. Um, CFOs tell us that for every dollar that they invest in HSE, they get a twofold return on that investment. And we also see that, you know, if, as folks are making investments, they are avoiding costs related to the accident. So inspected firms on average save $355,000 on injury claims by making these investments. Really, really critical. Yeah. And, you know, what, what's really interesting, I think, uh, Jody, is uh, what's changed. I mean, I, I think uh, as HSE professionals, we fight for budget. Um, you know, it's difficult to get the attention. It has been, but but there's there's a sea change, and and we see that with the, these ESG initiatives uh, at the board level. I mean, and, and so are you seeing now in market that the professionals that you're working with uh, uh, are are seeing this level of of increased interest and support for these initiatives? Absolutely, Steve. We hear um, every day from our customers. That, that the ESG teams are opening up and they want to see these investments, especially when it comes to innovation. What can we be doing differently that we haven't done before? Because these incidents are still occurring. So new models, new methods need to be implemented. And you know, purpose of today is to talk about the role of visual AI. It is a perfect uh, solve for getting ahead of some of these issues that we see. So I think we, you know, if we think about the approaches to, to safety, um, we obviously have monitoring inspection and we've been doing that for years. Um, it's an interesting model. It's very manual in nature, requires people to either monitor devices or do routine checks in our, in our environments. But that is a reactive approach, right? So if you think about it, you know, being able to, catch an incident or do an inspection when it's actually occurring is by chance. So it's not a foolproof, foolproof approach. Then you've got physical prevention. We do this as well. And, you know, I, I heard a, a, a horrible incident the other day from one of my clients that there was actually a hole in the floor and there were cones there. But unfortunately, those cones got moved and there was a fatality because of it. These types of um, physical prevention methods do require maintenance and constant you know, review to ensure that it has stayed up. And then there's training and compliance. We all know that we're always looking for new ways to train our employees to understand that they truly understand the concepts and can implement them when they are actually at the site. But you know, we know that those have limitations as well. And then you've got AI HSE solution, which is the first of a kind to be truly proactive 
and getting ahead of an incident before it occurs because it can be on 24 7 it can alert it can integrate with different systems that are in that environment and it is truly deployed to keep the employees safe so what are the challenges that we can solve with visual ai you know we can look at slips trips and falls if somebody has fallen on a, on the floor on you know a, a a spill you know laying there prone for a few seconds we can identify that and alert to go uh, get somebody to come and help we can monitor ppe compliance we do this in many many sites around the globe whether it is a vest whether it is a bump cap a hairnet it could be a coat or even you know a pair of um uh, a pair of uh of uh earplugs. And then there is basic near miss detection. We gave an example a little bit earlier about uh, the forklift, identifying that something's about to occur and then being able to stop that event from happening. Uh, then you got equipment compliance, right? You're thinking about the machine guarding scenarios, right? Can you ensure that a person does not approach a piece of machinery when it's operating if the guard isn't on? So these are some of the challenges that we can address with visual AI. Steve, why don't you take us through what is visual AI and uh, the solution that we have? Yeah, th thanks, Jody. And so we, we've been bouncing around that term AI, visual AI, computer vision. And so maybe it's worth just a moment of time to kind of level set. AI has become obviously a word becomes somewhat ubiquitous in business, uh, AI initiatives, AI deployments. Uh, but fundamentally, when we think about artificial intelligence, we're thinking about systems that can learn. So what's really different in a departure is that historically, when we came to software, software was programmed. Uh, it was, was more finite and binary in nature. Um, and the good and the bad is we knew exactly what the intended purpose and use and outcome would be. With AI, these systems get progressively better. Uh, we literally train these systems much the way we would train an individual progressing through uh, schooling uh, in the early years. Now, AI isn't just one thing. It's actually a number of different aspects. And so you have uh, the AI ability to mimic how we as individuals think and process information uh, more akin to what we'll call machine learning uh, you have our ability to reason, uh, you know, through a, a set of data points, uh, very much, you know, a parallel to, to deep learning. Um, you have the machine's ability to put content into context and understand things like human speech. That's that's an area of linguistics for AI called natural language processing. But today, the focus is really around uh, a specific area of AI called computer vision, and that's the machine's ability to mimic what we see. Uh, and so at any moment in time, uh, I have a, 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 an opportunity to evaluate uh, what my vision is processing, uh, an object, a movement, uh, a person, uh, a scene, a activity, like, like a sports event, and, and it's second nature to me. Uh, the difference is obviously I, I want to do this at scale. So when it comes to a business, I may have a, a couple dozen or a couple hundred uh, cameras deployed throughout my facility, inside, outside, and I want that that real time type capability. And 
not to mention that I, there's a diversity of use cases. Uh, think about what could the camera be doing? Uh, health and safety, Jody talked about uh, the importance of ensuring that workers go home at night uh, to their families. Uh, security, is someone about to breach uh, a fence or an outer perimeter? And it doesn't have to be a physical fence. It could be a, a, a literally a geofence, a digital fence. Productivity, um, you know, are we really getting the most out of a process? Is there ways to improve it? Uh, it could be simply, you know, how does a forklift move uh, through a warehouse? Uh, or it could be how does a, a piece of equipment operate in relation to the worker and to uh, other pieces of equipment in, in proximity. Uh, we're going to give you some examples of, of these different areas. You'll see an example of inspection. Uh, situational awareness is referencing things like facial recognition, license plate identification, uh, gender, uh, scene recognition. Uh, again, we'll give you great concrete examples, I think, as we go forward. But I'm often asked uh, about, you know, what, what really is the level of maturity associated with this technology? Well, AI is not new. AI has actually been around since 1956, uh, and it has steadily evolved. But what's exciting is we've hit a tipping point where we now have the, the compute power. Uh, we have the economics of compute cost. Uh, we've literally spent, you know, two decades uh, collecting, normalizing, standardizing the data. And we're at a point where the AI can truly capitalize and learn uh, at a level that makes it economically uh, efficient uh, for it to be deployed. Now, in the case of computer vision, uh, we're operational in over 17 countries today, 130,000 cameras under contract. And what's really, um, I think, exciting is that unlike maybe some traditional AI projects of old, this is technology that can be deployed in literally days. Uh, we call it a no-code, low-code environment. What does that really mean? Uh, it means I can point and click. I can take a use case. I want to detect a spill and I can drop it onto a camera. And the beautiful part is that that camera can run one or many of these use cases. So I'm up and operational. The system is learning and I'm getting benefit almost immediately. So how does that really work in today's environment? Well, I mentioned, I think almost every organization we work with has gone and deployed cameras. Uh, these cameras are connected to a recording device. And if and when uh, there's an incident, they go back and they review that recording. Now that's terrific, but unfortunately uh, that incident's already occurred. So it's always post-mortem is after the fact. Uh, I can certainly take corrective action relative to training and procedures, but what's a little bit uh, obviously concerning uh, is I couldn't prevent it. Fast forward to an AI-enabled AI approach, simply using that same exact infrastructure, don't change your cameras, don't change any of the connect connections, simply allow the AI to evaluate the scene uh, as it unfolds and in real time, provide an alert, an alarm, or actually trigger a protocol like shut down that forklift. So in fact, it doesn't you know, provide any injury. So maybe uh, let's go back to, to Jody and give us some examples of, of how this technology is actually being used today. Steve, before I jump into the examples, just a question for you. So the technology has been around for a long time. Why now? What has changed in the market that enables us to take advantage of it and bring it to our businesses? Yeah, you know, it, it's, a, it's a great question because we've gone through a number of, of iterations. Uh, you know, early on, it was very theoretical. It was the, the art of the possible, you know, could this be done? Uh, but the, you know, the compute power itself uh, did, just didn't exist. Uh, the computers weren't powerful enough to process 
what AI had the potential to do. Uh, when it became powerful enough, and these are the days of, of the mainframes and the mini computers, uh, it wasn't really accessible uh, to the average business. They, they didn't have uh, that system in-house. And then honestly, for a while, we wandered through the data deluge. We kept saying, if we only had the data, we'd solve all these problems. So we went about collecting all the data. And no sooner did we do that, that we realized that data is actually part of the problem. There's so much of it, you can't possibly, if you will, find that, that proverbial needle in a haystack. It's just now that we've got this optimal balance, you know, we walk around with a tremendous amount of compute and our you know, power in our pocket and our laptops. And so we can really perform at a level unparalleled uh, in processing all of this data. And AI has also matured to a level that the original computer vision was really centered around just object detection. You've talked about this idea of multi-scene analysis. Uh, and so computer vision has just become much more rich in its ability. Great, thank you, Steve, for that. So if we think about some of the examples, um, this is a, a perfect one that is related to PPE compliance. Here we have um, a food manufacturing facility. Um, and the workers here are, you know, being monitored by the AI uh, to ensure that they are wearing the right type of PPE, hairnets, coats, and the right types of gloves. The technology is so powerful that, you know, maybe there's a glove that needed to be worn for a certain piece of machinery versus another machinery. The system can pick up the nuances of that and then alert, you know, key management professionals um, that maybe somebody's not right wearing the right PPE. Um, the other thing that I, I want to note as I go through some of these images um, and you see these videos playing, this is what the system is seeing. It is, it's what the AI is processing. You don't have an individual having to look at these screens. This is what the system will look at to actually serve up the alerts so that you, the HSE professional, can take um, action upon them whether it's training or whether it is um, an immediate response. You know, and Jody, I'm often asked, you know, how, how does the AI understand uh, a glove that, that you know, is designed for, for static protection versus a glove designed for thermal protection? Um, and, and quite simply, we take videos like this and we, we teach the AI. We, we tell it right from wrong. And we say that that is a glove that's designed for thermal protection. And then we test it. Uh, different mechanisms. Uh, there is, you know, that this supervised learning where we show it a glove, it says, I think this is thermal, and we tell if it's right or wrong. Uh, there's the semi-supervised where the system's learning on its own and saying, I'm pretty sure this is thermal, and and ultimately we're affirming that uh, in, in some uh, scalable way. Or there's unsupervised where literally the system progresses and, and gets reinforced and learns on its own. So these these means is are the, the mechanisms by which the AI learns. And so what you described. Uh, is is actually, you know, if we can see it, we can train it, it can do it. Thank you for that, Steve. And it's all about the outcomes, right? In this particular example, 20 plus monthly uh, manual hours saved. You think about the inspections in your sites every day to be able to save time um, and money from doing those inspections is really key. Um, this is a perfect example of those unsafe acts, those things that go undetected in our environments. Um, here you have a moving conveyor belt with a bunch of individuals having very casual conversations about it. It takes an absolute split second 
for somebody with a long sleeve shirt to lean in a little too close to that moving conveyor belt um, to, for an injury to happen. So in this scenario, the AI is always monitoring 24 seven, is able to serve up the alert. Um, and then the remedy here could be a conversation with these individuals, or it could be training around this machine. Now, we do also think about many of the environments are no blame environments. We are not looking to get people in trouble. The goal here is always to keep our employees safe so they go home at the end of the day. So there are opportunities where we could obfuscate the image, blur the image to give our, 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 our employees the confidence that this is not to get them in trouble. It is just to provide a safer environment for them to work in. Well, and, and you know, one of the things that I'm always impressed by um, is the fact that it's multifaceted. We can not only determine, you know, what the worker's doing at the conveyor, but whether or not that worker has been properly trained to be at the conveyor, uh, whether there's the shift that, that they should be working on, is this an area of the building that they're authorized to be in? All of this is happening in a, a parallel fashion. So, you know, the, the neat thing about this is, is taking into consideration more than a single factor. Great, thank you. And just to, just to close out on this one, typically we wouldn't even know that these acts are occurring. It would be a, a routine inspection or an, a non-routine inspection that somebody would identify this as actually occurring. Um, this is actually one of my favorites. This is actually from one of my customers that I work with day in and day out. And it is an automatic, uh, an automated forklift. So for this particular use case, the forklift, um, we are looking at the speed, the path that it's traveling, um, and the usage of the vehicle um, to really assess, are we getting a return from that investment? But what you'll see here is as the vehicle, as the forklift approaches the individual, it can detect that you know, it is getting closer. And at that point in time, an action needs to be taken either to shut down the uh, forklift via a connection through a sensor, or maybe it is you know, raising an alarm or a hooter or a strobe to make sure that this individual quickly moves out of the way. It also represents, again, a great opportunity for training uh, for the individual who is walking towards that forklift. It's a moving vehicle, they, they need to be aware. Um, machine guarding, we, we touched upon this. This is an area where we see a lot, a lot of injuries. And in this particular image here, you see that there is a, um, a piece of equipment that is operating um, and there is some piece of the compliance part of it that is not turned on. So as that individual moves closer to this piece of machinery, you can see that the system is recognizing that that is a dangerous thing for that person to be doing and can automatically shut down that system. Uh, the other thing that you see here, you know, from a very simplistic perspective is you do have a green line here where that is the area where somebody needs to be traveling in this particular site. The system can also have a logical bounding block around that footpath to ensure that people are staying on the path where they need to be walking. Ergonomics, we hear about this every single day, overexertion, repetitive motion, people getting hurt, needing to take time off. 
Well, wouldn't it be nice to be able to watch your employees 24-7 while they're doing these lifting operations to ensure that they're lifting properly and they are not going to have an issue? Because some of these issues just don't go away with, you know, a few weeks off or time off. It, sometimes it is years before um, those, those issues are resolved. So corrective behavior training is a great opportunity by taking the proactive approach to monitoring how your folks are, are working in their, your environment. And Steve, you touched upon this about uh, facial recognition, confirming that people are in the right area of the plant where they should be or the right area of the site and they have access to the, the correct places. You know, many times, you know, you'll have folks that have access to the site, but they're walking into unauthorized areas. So with facial recognition, you can identify who those people are and have they gone into an area where they're not certified to be. Um, on the top here, you know, this was, you know, one from um, COVID where you um, are running visual AI on a thermal camera to assess that, you know, everyone's temperature is in line um, and actually can come into the facility. And if not, you know, you can obviously alert based upon that. So Jody, I do have a question for you though. You, you talked about uh, being able to kind of assess whether or not the individual has has the right to access an area, uh, but most organizations have some type of badging system already in place. Uh, where, where does this fit? Um, Steve, I, I think you would probably agree that tailgating is a thing, right? So while the badging is there, it is not a foolproof mechanism because so many times you're in the office, you're in your site and you hold the door for a colleague, right? Uh, to be, you know, just respectful. So this give us, gives us that extra layer to ensure that, you know, only those authorized people are going to the, the, the particular places where they are authorized to be. Yeah, and Jody, you mentioned the ability to, to blur an image. Yes. Um, and, and can you just, just touch on maybe the, the privacy aspect of, of this technology? Sure. So we blur images to ensure that the privacy of an individual is being maintained. And that obviously when we work with unionized workforces, that's really critical. But the other privacy piece that we, we think about is, where is the data going? The nice thing about this solution is this the, the system is running on your premises on a, on a server, an edge device. So none of this data is leaving your site or going to the cloud. But so, but the data has to be collected and stored. So we are not we are not storing your data. We will serve up alerts with a thumbnail. All of you have VMS systems that are doing that recording today. So we are not doing any of that data but, storage. But we, the AI doesn't need to record anything. If the VMS went away tomorrow, but we still had the feed, we'd be able to act on that information. Hundred percent. We are processing the feeds as they go uh, from the cameras to the recording device. Thank you. So let's just quickly shift to another polling question. Um, and that this one is, what HSE job requirement is most demanding for you? You know, as I look through this list, I, you know, I, I would think that there are a lot on here that are very manual in nature. My guess is that many of you are going to, you know, bubble up HSE inspections, incident uh, investigations to the top. But let's give it a minute and see um, exactly what you're you're thinking here. 
certainly, Jody, you're more, I, I think, experienced in, in this particular area. But I, I would have guessed, like you said, incident investigations, it's, it's, it's difficult to decipher what exactly happened. You have to go back. You have to do the forensic analysis. Uh, yeah, you're trying to appreciate in a moment uh, where there are extenuating circumstances. So uh, let's see what the audience says. Incident investigation seems to be one of the top ones. So Steve, good guess. Spot on, right? Good guess. <laughs> so that you know, nice tie into this slide because we do speak about incident investigations here, um, and the role that AI is playing. It is all about preventing, prescribing, um, and taking action based upon uh, the data. The other thing that's really nice about the visual AI system that we have is it can document automatically. And what we mean by that is it can inter integrate with your incident management system so that everything you're doing around HSE can be served up through that concern reporting system. And we do this every single day with our clients. So if you look at the, the, the on the left-hand side of um, this chart and you're thinking about, well, what do we do today and how is AI gonna help? The current process, you know, which we've, which we've mentioned, is there are routine inspections. Somebody's coming in with a pad of paper, writing down exactly what they see. The interesting thing is you can't be sure that they're seeing those unsafe acts when you're there. Um, and then there is the reactive root cause analysis that all of you said is very, very cumbersome uh, and, and, and very time consuming. Uh, for all of you. And then when you finally are doing that root cause analysis and you know what actually um, occurred, then you're implementing a program in order to prevent it from happening again. But the thing is, the only time that you can actually see if that program is working is if another incident hasn't, hasn't occurred. So there's a way of being pro proactive and having a feedback loop that is always on always watching and always capturing information. And really that's the AI approach um, that we are promoting here um, because you know it ultimately prevents those unsafe acts and near misses from occurring because you're able to take preventative action when you do sense that something's occurring. Um, it automates that incident reporting by integrating into your concern reporting system. And then you can um, always look at how the system is working, because you can always evaluate, do I need to make another tweak? Do we need to do something better? You know, it's almost like looking at A-B testing. Is there one other layer of preventative approach, another method that we can implement here to make sure those employees are being safe? So the benefits of a visual AI system are really clear. You know, it is all about maintaining compliance in your environment 24 hours a day. It's about you know hitting those near misses and unsafe acts, preventing them from ever, ever occurring. Um, and then it's automating the alerts so that you, the HSE professional, can take quick and proactive action based upon them um, and you know ultimately prevent them from happening. And then, you know, we spoke about the increased uptime and productivity. Let's make sure that if we can avoid these incidents, that our plants, our sites are always up and running. We don't need to shut portions of it down for um, incidents when they occur. 
And then overall, it, it improves the overall safety profile of our environments. So Steve, with that, why don't you take us through a little bit about um, Spark Cognition Solution Set and where Visual AI sits in, fits in? Yeah, hey Jody, that, that was fan great, great examples, fantastic demonstration of where this technology is already being deployed. And I, I will just touch on briefly that we're looking at a, a very prescriptive uh, area of our portfolio, namely using one form of data, video, uh, one of our core competencies around visual AI, and, and when I say core competencies, we're at about 200 patents uh, and patents that are pending uh, across these, these various areas of AI. So this is our technology. We've developed, we've grown. That allows us to really tailor the experience for our customers. But most importantly to the picture here, it's not about selling technology. We don't have any customer candidly that raises their hand and says, sell me computer vision. What they ultimately want is a solution. I want something that can do the things that, that Jody, you described. Uh, alert me when there's an injury or a man down. Alert me if someone tailgates and goes into an area that they're not authorized to be. That's the solution part. And that's really what you've illustrated today. And candidly, that's what we do across the board uh, for the, the industrial and other sectors. Uh, so with that, what, what I want to really talk Nicely at the beginning, what's the problem? I think we all related to those issues. What's the benefit of solving the problem? Why, why is it hard? Why hasn't this problem been solved? Not, not in the last year or two, but, but literally in the last century, why do these problems persist? Sure, we get better, we're more aware. I think this is the first time we've actually had a, a tool, a technology that can fundamentally change the game. And so the five key takeaways, really from the title of this presentation, uh, is is that you know AI is ready. Uh, AI can be deployed in, in days. It's, it's drag and drop. It's low code. Um, it integrates to existing systems. It allows you to discover, uncover, uh, manage, monitor, uh, and act on on unsafe acts. It allows you to to literally uh, prevent these things from occurring. The near misses that you describe, the forklifts and other machinery. Um, it'll let me see that the patterns and trends. So uh, I'm still collecting all of this data. I'm still learning from all of this data. I still have the benefit, even if, if situations are mitigated in the moment, I still want to go back and say, you know, what else can I do to even prevent that possibility from occurring? And so this is really supplementing, I think, the knowledge of the HSE manager, uh, of the safety professional. Uh, it's, it's really highlighting the value that they're bringing. Um, it, it allows you to obviously influence the way workers are onboarded and trained, uh, you know, based on these insights from the AI. Uh, and, and then, of course, because it is, you know, rooted in analytics and data, there's so much information that I can track and measure. Uh, and so, you know, that, that sign in the corner of the factory, 220 days since our last accident, um, it, it's going to be a lot more days because we now have a vehicle uh, to not just measure and report, but to proact and manage. So uh, hopefully this has been, um, I think, interesting to our audience. I want to now go uh, and open this up to question and answer. Great. And Steve, while we're transitioning over to question and answer, one, one question that I get a lot uh, from, from my customers is, you know, I'm managing so many sites. 
Are there methods and strategies to begin to evaluate what one site is doing well versus another site? How does how does the system help with that? Well, I think uh, it's a great question. I, I think it, there's there's no question that in each situation there's nuance. So even facilities that are performing the same tasks, there are subtleties and nuances. Uh, the way I move through the facility, um, you know, the way that I perform a task, the type of asset, uh, the model and make, uh, all of these are factors that the AI can actually accommodate and, and learn from. And so rather than just say, I'm going to standardize and there's only one way to do it, yeah, there may be one approach, but there's multiple ways that it actually could uh, transpire. And the AI is really working to, to complement at a much more personalized level that aspect of the, that facility and how it operates. But let me go to Kevin uh, for, for questions. Hello, excellent. Great job to you both, Stephen and Jody. Thanks for sharing your insights and your expertise. Before we do start that Q&A, just want to let everyone know about the evaluation survey that we're asking you to complete. The survey will open in a different screen after this webinar. And again, we appreciate your input very much as it helps us improve our future webcasts. Once more, if you do want to ask a question, just click the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen, type your question, and click the send button to submit. And with that, here we go. Um, the first one asks, what other systems can benefit from integrations with visual AI? You know, there, there isn't a customer that we engage that obviously do, doesn't have legacy systems, systems that they've built and developed or systems that they've acquired. So there may be, for example, an incident management system, very common. Uh, and so we're going to work with organizations. Uh, uh, we, we partner with various organizations that do incident management. And what's really impressive there is not only can the AI be a source of information, but the AI can, can actually auto-populate uh, that incident. So it, it, it provides the, the alert. Uh, it provides a, a snippet of, of what the activity or incident was. Uh, it will log that into the incident management system. Uh, and so... I think the real strength of technology, of, of certainly of software, um, is that ability to integrate with these other environments. And so uh, Jody talked about an alarm um, um, or a, a trigger to shut down a particular piece of machinery. That that happens through that that level of integration. Uh, as long as the technology uh, is is relatively contemporary, it's a, it's an open uh, API. Uh, an application program interface that that's that's pretty much been you know the state uh, of technology for for a long time. We can interact uh, with that system, uh, providing information, providing triggers to uh, allow it to act. Next one asks: Can visual AI monitor people without compromising privacy or in complying with privacy laws? So Kevin, that, that's, a, that's a great one. And we get that uh, question all the time. So yes, visual AI can uh, monitor people without com uh, compromising privacy. We do that uh, through the capability of, of obfuscation. So we blur the image. So there is no way to identify who that individual actually is. Um, so we maintain that, um, that, that, that program for uh, the, the customer. Next one asks, can you give an example of visual AI working with a reporting record system? Sure. Um, in many of the clients that I see, and I'll just reference one um, reporting system that we um, have worked closely with, 
Um, so benchmark um, ESG is a, um, a concern reporting system out there in the marketplace. What we do with them is when we have an alert, we integrate it into their system. So their HSE professionals who are sitting in front of their dashboard are actually seeing our alerts. Alerts come up through that system that they are in front of every single day, and then they are able to action them. So what they do do is they acknowledge that they see the alert. They can either close it out. They can have comments based upon, you know, what was the action taken? So then there is a, a good system of record knowing that we've identified a risk, here it's closed out, and here's what was done about it. All right, thank you. Next one is asking, how does visual AI affect my employees' behaviors, especially around safety? You know, I think human nature, um, we, we, don't, we don't love change. Uh, you know, the status quo is, is kind of what we've come to expect. And the status quo has been a passive environment. Uh, and so uh, all of the cameras throughout the facilities, all the recordings that are done um, ha have become back of mind. Uh, they're, they're not in the forefront and employees not thinking about it. For the first time, being proactive, we're, 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 we're bringing change back to the organization. So that the knee-jerk reaction is a little apprehension. Uh, and so part of, of what we do is, is the deployment is an education. Uh, you know, very much like we've done today, we want the employee to, to understand the technology, what it's doing, uh, how it operates, uh, the benefits uh, to them. Uh, take that repetitive motion injury that, that Jody mentioned a moment ago. Uh, you know, we, we have individuals that, that have chronic back conditions that have been injured on the job, have been under workman's comp. Uh, they, they actually would much prefer to, to feel good and, and to, you know, to go home every night, you know, without that chronic condition. Uh, and they actually get a little excited uh, thinking about, wow, this, this, this actually can, can, can help. Uh, we worked with quite a few unions. The initial reaction is always like, hey, you know, we don't really want, uh, you know, you know, anybody watching. Well, but they already are. I mean, the cameras are already there. Uh, the systems are already observing. The difference now is we actually can provide some value back uh, to the employee, to the individual. And I think as that, that understanding um, is, 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 is really consumed, uh, they get very comfortable. In fact, they, you know, they, they actually start to advocate. Uh, you, the question before about, you know, you know, Jody asked about, you know, kind of facility to facility. We, we often start in a single plant and it's, it's the advocation of the workers in that plant is the success and track record of that plant relative to safety that really propagates the, the next, uh, next factory, next plant, next facility adopting this technology. So uh, it's a process, but it's, it's, it's actually an exciting one. Next question, what skills and expertise do my employees need to support visual AI in my facility? Yep, so that's a, that's a great one. Um, you know, what's interesting when you think about AI, many folks think they need a data scientist, think they need somebody with a degree in AI in order to run some of these systems. But with the visual AI solution, as Steve explained um, a little bit earlier, it is literally drag and drop. You have the IP address of the camera, you know what use case or scenario that you're looking to uh, monitor and you drag one to the other and then you're pretty much up and running. So your, your team doesn't need to have any AI experience. Um, you know, as a seller, I have been asked to, to participate in some deployments. So it's as easy as giving the keys to a seller to um, actually deploy some of these things. It's really straightforward. 
So, so Jody, what you're saying is if you can do it, anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. <laughs> well, thank you. The next couple of these questions get a little more granular with some, some specifics. Um, how does a visual AI solution track patterns and insights on incident type? Yeah, it, it, it effectively goes back to uh, training. Um, and so what, what happens is uh, we build a model uh, and think about a model um, as the, uh, the instructions uh, that the system is using to understand a, a particular incident. So uh, let's take a, a near miss uh, just for illustration purposes. Uh, what, what we're going to do is we're going to take examples of near misses, uh, you know, forklift individual, uh, individual machinery, uh, and we're going to show, physically show the AI uh, that example. And, and, and we're going to do that not once or twice or dozens. We're going to do that thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of times. So the AI is going to see uh, this incident uh different venues, different lighting conditions, different people, different assets, but it's going to see that that type of incident over and over and over and over. And each time it sees it, its confidence and understanding what it's seeing is actually improving. So the first time you train a model, that set of instructions, uh, the, you know, the confidence that, that it's a near miss may only be 60%, 65%, but with additional training and with additional illustrations of those examples, that confidence is going to go to 90, 92, 95, 98%. Uh, and, and so each one of these requires us as a vendor, right, to build these, these very, you know, distinct and prescriptive models. And I think, uh, Jody, we mentioned earlier, uh, there's about 125, what we'll call use cases that have been modeled uh, that we can deploy today. And given those 125 use cases that we have, with a lot of these patterns, a lot of these training already done, it gives you the quick time to value when you deploy one of these models that has already been built um, to be up and running very quickly in your environment. Steve, another portion of this question is about you know, patterns and insights, right? How does the AI track patterns over time? You know, is there a, a, something in the dashboard that, you know, that somebody could leverage to see how the improvement is, is being uh, realized? Yeah, there absolutely is. In fact, you know, uh, we, we talked earlier about this, this notion, um, you know, of training. And there's, there's what we would call supervised and semi-supervised training in this case, where literally the operator can say, hey, you know, the AI thinks that's a pattern. I can affirm, yes, you're correct, that that is that pattern. Or it could say, no, that, that's not what you think it is. You, you think it's an air miss, that's not an, an air miss. And so the human can, can actually interact with, with the technology uh, and provide that, that supervised, think about a teacher-student kind of relationship and, and one plus one is two and you keep reinforcing that. Uh, or semi-supervised where there's both the, the individual, the teacher providing the feedback, but the, the student is also, uh, in this case, the AI is learning independently. Next question, what IT infrastructure and types of cameras do I need to deploy the visual AI advisor? Yep. So I, I think the, on this question, um, the types of cameras, so we can work with your existing cameras. We're not a hardware 
provider. So we would leverage that existing camera infrastructure that's already in your site, in your facility. And they could be the newest digital cameras or they can be older analog cameras. We can work with both types. The other piece of infrastructure that would be required is that edge device to do the processing on your site. So it's just, you know, ultimately the net new piece is really the edge device and we leverage the existing cameras. Which is really a server. Yes, exactly. So it's 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 a it's a server, uh, but it's it's a GPU. So uh, versus CPU based, what that really means is uh, GPUs are ex excellent at processing graphics and images, um, and so very little infrastructure at all uh, is needed. And Joe, I do want to ask you though on the camera, as you mentioned, uh, you sounds like you're camera agnostic. H how is that the case, right? You mentioned older analog, newer digital. Um, why does it work that way? I mean, is there a trick? I don't think there's a, a, a trick <laughs> per se, but um, ultimately we are taking uh, the feeds that are coming off of those cameras and processing those in real time. And that is the, the key piece of it is just the feed. The, the camera is physically just the capture device. We're all about the feed and being able to process there. So that's how we get to be camera agnostic. Got it. All right, moving on to the next one. What challenges have you encountered while working with customers using visual AI? Um, I, I think the most common challenges that we see um, with working with clients is one, sometimes there is um, a, a, a separation in the organization between who owns the cameras and does the site have access to them to leverage them for HSE purposes, right? So sometimes, you know, it is just the recording for security purposes, and now we want to leverage them for HSE purposes. And we do work with both of those teams to help them understand what we're doing with those uh, feeds and, you know, helping them understand that we're not changing anything that they're doing. They're still processing and recording to their VMS. So that is one of the biggest challenges that I see. The other piece is, you know, making sure that the business in, is involved, right? So we as HSE professionals know that these things need to be done, but having the involvement of the business and their buy-in and contribution throughout the project is really, really critical to getting to success very rapidly. And you know, Jody, and the, the other challenge that, and, and maybe it's because I, I think I'm brought in later into these opportunities, uh, I often hear, you know, how do we cost justify? Uh, we don't have a budget. Uh, we didn't act, you know, create a budget for computer vision, never even knew it existed. Um, and, and so I think we work very closely, I think, with the team to, to put together the, the business case um, as it relates. And, and, you know, clearly you touched on so eloquently earlier, you know, all of the, the benefits that, that this affords, but that's got to get quantified. You know, how many accidents the facility have? What was the actual direct cost? What was the indirect cost? Uh, you know, and we'll help them put that together. But, but the nice thing is, and, and I think you can see from today's presentation, uh, there, there's a very compelling value and a compelling value proposition uh, so it's just a matter, I think, of working through that challenge. Yeah. Yep. And we, as, as Steve just mentioned, we are very happy to partner with you. Actually, we encourage um, the participation and the collaboration around building out that model. So there are no questions. Um, the, the benefits and the, and, the, and the business case is very, very clear. 
I know we're we're winding down and getting short on time, but what if anything might be left unsaid from you both today? So yeah, um, I, I think probably the, the the most important thing, you know, independent of spark cognition, is to recognize that there, there there's a, a resource out there uh, for HSE professionals that that you know has has really allowed. Uh, this is a vocation to kind of come forward and provide a very, very interesting, very proactive level solution. And so I think it takes the, the role of the SSC professional from, from being, you know, in the office and, and having to, to evaluate and then report on things that happened in the past, uh, which is a bit frustrating. I can't change, you know, history. To, to being an integral part of the organization in the moment uh, and making a huge, huge difference. And then, and then for me, I, I think it's about the innovation that we can bring to, um, to the space. Um, bringing visual AI clearly is the next turn of the crank when it comes to the methods that can be deployed. We've been doing what we've been doing for many years. Um, for as long as we, we can remember, and there needs to be that next shift to get at those near misses and the, you know those risk uh, areas that we continue to see. Well, thank you both very much. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. Uh, sorry that we didn't get to everyone's questions, but again, all of today's unanswered questions will be forwarded on to our speakers. Once more, we hope you take the time to fill out the forthcoming evaluation survey and give us your feedback. With that, we end today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. We'd like to thank Stephen Gold, Jody Sass, everyone at Spark Cognition, and all of you who listened in. Thanks, and have a great day. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin.